warm welcome as we come to meet and worship our God on this Sunday evening. Just one notice for church members is that on Thursday evening we have a testimony meeting. So after the prayer meeting, there will be a testimony meeting. So just a reminder for church members. Well, we're going to um, sing our first song, which is, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder. And Mark is preaching tonight on Psalm 78, and he's chosen this particular, this particular song um, because it encourages us to praise God for his power and his works. And we'll see that in Psalm 78 a little later. Can we stand as John leads us with the music?
We're going to come in prayer to our God and Saviour now. So bow our hearts as we come in prayer to him. Father God, we ask that your Holy Spirit that you sent us would be amongst us tonight. That he would be helping us to come in worship. He would be helping us to come in praise. He would be preparing our hearts to receive your word. And we pray that our lives would be transformed by what you have to say to us. Lord, we thank you that you are our creator. And we worship you because you are our king. And we pray our lives would reflect that we know that you are our creator. That we would live our lives humbly because you are our king. We want to bring you praise because you are our saviour. Lord, we thank you for that great rescue plan. We thank you for the willingness of your son to come in obedience, to die that horrific death. And he's now raised from death and he's seated at your right hand. And we can have peace with you because his sacrifice has paid the penalty, has taken the punishment for what we deserve. We ask that if anyone here does not know you as their saviour, We pray that you would be merciful to them this very night. We ask that you would show them their sin. Show them their need for forgiveness. We pray that you would draw them to you in your love. Show them yourself as their saviour, Lord Jesus. And we pray that lives would be changed. We pray that souls would be added to the kingdom this very night. Lord, we want to thank you that You give us many, many good gifts. Lord, we think about today and what you've given us. We remember that that there are many across the world who do not have the blessings that we do. Lord, and we thank you for what you've given us and we pray for them. We ask that you would help them in whatever situation they may be in. Lord, we pray for those who are hungry and ask that you would provide provide food. We pray for those that are cold and need shelter and ask you to intervene there. Lord, we pray for those who are living in a war zone. Lord, we pray that you would bring peace and that the killing would stop. We pray for those amongst ourselves who are struggling. Lord, you know each of us. You know the things that trouble us. Lord, we ask that you would help us to commit them to you. We ask that we would bring those concerns, whether they be family, whether they be work and employment, whether they be financial, Lord, whether they be health. Help us to commit our cares to you. We ask that you would help us as we do that. Strengthen us, comfort us, and we pray that you would give us peace. Lord God, we... Remember this morning the message from John 15 that John brought to us. And we pray that we would be attached to you. Lord, that we would spend that time reading your word. Spend that time in prayer to you. Spending that time with an openness of mind and heart to listen to what you say to us. Lord God, we pray that in our lives we would be bringing fruit for your honour and your glory. And we know that we can only do that if we are attached to you. Lord, we understand that there will be times when we need to be pruned, disciplined, where we need to be shown our sin. Lord God, we pray that we would have repentant spirits. Lord, looking to you. Lord, so that we may bring fruit for your honour and for your glory. Lord God, we pray that we would become more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, we pray that you would give us those opportunities to speak to those round about us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that we have, whether it's through Sunday school, rooted, YPs, in the prison, in the older people's work on First Tuesday. Lord, with our neighbours, with our friends, with our family. Lord God, you, you know those that we care for, those we are concerned for. We ask that you would give opportunities for us to speak to them. And we ask that you would bring them into your kingdom. Lord God, as 
In a moment, we turn to Psalm 78. As Mark brings your word to us, we ask that you would be with him. But we pray you would bring your word in power into our hearts and into our lives. And may our lives be changed. Help us to trust you. And in trusting you, we pray that our lives would show obedience to you. And we pray that our lives would bring you honour and glory for Jesus' sake. Amen. Okay, well, before we read Psalm 78, we're going to sing our next song, which is, King of my life, I crown thee now. And Mark has chosen this one, because Psalm 78 is about people that are constantly forgetting, um, and we're told not to forget. So it's just a reminder not to forget. Thank you, John.
Well, if you could turn with me in your Bibles or watch on the screen or your app to Psalm 78. Um, Mark has, has got three passages that I'm going to read, verses 1 to 11, verses 37 to 43, and 65 to 72. And Mark is going to focus on verses 1 to 8 uh, when he brings a psalm to us. But we're going to start by reading verses 1 to 11. So Psalm 78, 1 to 11. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known. That our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn. And arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should be like their fathers, they should, be, they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. And then we move to the next reading, which is verse 37 to 43. Their heart was not steadfast towards him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he being passionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day that he redeemed them from the foe. When he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the fields of Zoan. And then our last reading is verse 65 to 72. So verse 65 to 72. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine. And he put his adversaries to rout. He put them to everlasting shame. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With an upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. Before Mark comes to us and preaches on Psalm 78, we're going to sing our third song, which is Tell Me the Old, Old Story. Now Mark says he picked this one because the story we are looking at is old, but we need to keep hearing the same old story. It's what we need to hear all through the generations, and we need to keep being reminded of it as well. So when John starts, we'll stand and sing.
yesterday morning. I was uh, leading a group of uh, youth and children's workers from churches in Sussex, and I taught them from this psalm, Psalm 78. Well, tonight isn't going to be exactly the same message because it's a completely different context, Uh, but children's and youth work is such an important part of our church life here, isn't it? And also, many of you have your own children So children and youth are a really important part of our church. And Psalm 78 is super helpful in helping us think about how we can uh, teach others. I hope tonight is a real blessing for those of you who are parents and for those of you who are involved in uh, any, any aspect of the youth and children's work here. But also I hope it's a blessing for those of you who are youth and children. When I was at uh, secondary school, uh, there were three Marks in my tutor group. Uh, There was me, there was Big Mark, and there was Little Mark. And we used to sit in a bit of a line along the back of our class. And uh, Big Mark was, as you can imagine, big and powerful. And uh, he wasn't afraid to use his size to get his way, let's put it like that. And then there was Little Mark, and Little Mark was uh, shy, a little bit nervous, and a bit quieter. Uh, We're all pretty different, but somehow... We kind of got on pretty well. Um, And we're also, believe it or not, fairly athletic in different ways um, back in the day. And uh, we got invited along to Lewis for the Ouse Valley Athletics Championships. And uh, it sounds pretty grand. It was really just a few schools getting together for like a big sports day. But um, we did our individual events. And then we were told we'd been put down for the relay race. Didn't get any say in it. Just, by the way, you're in the relay race. And um, Big Mark... Started on the, the straight, the first 100 metres, because that's what he said, and none of us got much of a say in it. And then I got put on the curve, where no one really wanted to be, because it's quite challenging. And so the starter gun ran out, and uh, Big Mark was running towards me at full speed, as you can imagine. It was quite a sight. And so I started running away from him, not because I was scared, but because that's what you're meant to do. You sort of build up speed. And, uh, and then he passed the baton on to me. And then I ran as fast as my little legs would carry me to Little Mark, where I passed it on. He was in third place, and uh, we finished the race. My job was pretty simple. So my job was simply to collect the baton from Big Mark. So I collected it, and then I ran as fast as I could, and I handed it on to Little Mark. That was my job. Pretty, pretty simple job. And uh, guess where we finished? Well, it wasn't last, which is good, but that's because we were disqualified. And uh, straight after the race, we were told it was the handover with Big Mark and me. And straight after the race, Big Mark was being quite kind. So I said, oh no, it's both of our fault. It's just one of those things, not a problem. By the time we got in the minibus, he was firmly settled on the fact that it was all my fault and he'd let, I'd let the team down. Um, and in truth, I think he was right. The truth is, I'd made a bit of a, a hash of the handover. I hadn't received it properly. And I'd strayed into other lanes as I was running because I was on the curve. But in reality, it didn't really matter, other than the fact it scarred me a little maybe. But it doesn't really matter, does it? It's just a race. But you know, those of us who are involved in youth and children's work, those of you who are parents, have something infinitely more special and more valuable to pass on. We have the gospel. It's the revelation of God to us, of all that he is, and all that we are as well. And we've been entrusted with receiving this gospel first, and then passing it on to others, to the children and youth that we lead in whatever capacity that may be. It's a huge privilege, but it's also a huge responsibility. You know, part of the reason why I messed up in my relay race was I'd never had any training or real teaching on it. Not that you need a huge amount, but I hadn't practiced, I hadn't trained, I wasn't thinking about what I needed to do properly. You know, when we're passing on uh, the gospel, the, the message that we have to the youth and the children, we need teaching. We need to make sure that we've received it rightly ourselves, and we need to learn how to, to pass it on. And this is what Asaph helps us with Psalm 78. So Asaph wrote Psalm 78, and he teaches us here. So listen up. Listen up. And that's not just me saying that. That's what Asaph tells us right at the beginning of this psalm. He says this. He says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. 
Now, if you're involved in uh, children's or youth work of any point, or if you've got kids, you'll know what it's like to be talking and not have people listen. It's part of it. How many times a week do you reckon you say the word listen? Probably quite a lot. Well, Asaph, he wants us to listen carefully. He wants us to pay attention. Do you notice that? It says, incline your ear. It's this idea of kind of leaning in your ear, because you really want to hear carefully. Asaph tells us, listen up. All of us, listen up. So if you're tempted to be on your phone, instead of listening, listen up. This is worth listening to. There's some wisdom that we're going to hear tonight. Asaph starts by teaching us, so that we know what to pass on. So firstly, what are we to pass on? What are we to pass on? Well, firstly, verses 2 and 3, sayings from of old, sayings from of old. It says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known. So I put it up for you. That our fathers have told us. Just very briefly, when it says dark sayings, it doesn't mean dark and sort of twisted there like we might think. It's more sort of ancient things, sort of hidden that he's going to explain to us. It's a sort of simple way of putting it. But we live in a time, don't we, when there are rapid changes going on all around us. So there's rapid changes in uh, technology, in uh, ideas, in values, in the way we do things. And it's not uncommon, is it, for people to say, come on, you don't think that, do you? Come on, it's 2023. Keep up with the times. How do we reach a generation? How do we teach a generation that is growing up in a world that is so different to the one that many of us grew up in, even though it wasn't really that many years ago? What do we do? Well, we teach them the sayings from of old. That's what we do. That's what Asaph is telling us here. He's going to teach us some of the old stories of God at work. These stories of Asaph are so old that he's telling that they were considered old a thousand years even before Jesus came. So they're they're old. You know, we may find new ways of sharing these stories. We may find new ways of engaging children with these stories. But the message, the stories, are the same stories that we are passing on. You know, so often we can be a bit like the Athenians in Acts 17, who just loved hearing new things. You know, like that, sometimes you love hearing it, it's exciting, a new idea. But you know, what we really need to take in is the old stories. That's what we really need. That's why we sang, tell me the old, old story, just before I came up to speak. You know, the message that we pass on should be the same old story that we received. The story of God at work throughout history. What else are we to pass on? We're to pass on the wonders God has done. The wonders God has done. This is verse 4. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation three things, the glorious deeds of the Lord, his might or his power, and the wonders that he has done. You know, we're to pass on the, the stories of God that show his glorious works, his glorious deeds. We're to pass on the stories that demonstrate his might and his power that he has over all things. We're to pass on the wonders and miracles that he has done. You know, this psalm is the second longest psalm. And the reason it's so long is because it's basically a history lesson. Asaph recounts uh, Israel's history. And Asaph reminds uh, the Israelites of the things that God has done that are truly worthy of praise. We'll see his power clearly displayed for us. So let me just give you a bit of an example in this psalm of some of the things that Asaph says are (laughs) worth glorifying God for. So this is verses 12 to 16. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zone. He divided the sea and let them pass through it. He made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. And then in verses 51 to 55, he struck down every firstborn in Egypt, the first fruits of their strength in the tents of Ham. Then he led out his people like sheep 
and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies. And he brought them to his holy land, to the mountain which his right hand had won. He drove out nations before them. He apportioned for them, uh, portioned them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. Asaph's telling here the story of uh, Israel's escape from Egypt, the Exodus, how he, he um, rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He brought them into the, the wilderness, the desert. And what did he do there? He miraculously provided for them. And then he brings them into the promised land. And there he establishes his kingdom. And when I uh, first read this psalm up until the end of it, uh, I briefly thought, and very stupidly thought, but I will add briefly, I thought, why did Asaph finish at David? Why didn't he carry on to the end of the Old Testament? And then I realised, well, that's because that's when Asaph was living. And he, he didn't know the future at that point. Uh, it, it was up to date for him. So he, he finishes his story with David, which to him is up to date. But imagine how long this psalm would be if we did it up to date for us. Imagine if we were writing this psalm and we were writing about all the, the glorious deeds of God. Think of all the things we could put in there. What would you put in? If you were to write a psalm like this, a historical psalm of all the glorious deeds of God, what would you put in your, your psalm? You know, we benefit from another 3,000 years of history to what Asaph had. 3,000 years more of God doing amazing things. Think of what we could write. But I'll tell you what, I know what the pinnacle would be. I know what the highlight should be. For Asaph, the pinnacle that he really focuses on here is the rescue from Egypt and, and how God led them. That was, that was the greatest demonstration of God's power, the great rescue and provision for them. But now we can look back at a time that Asaph never saw. We can look back at a time when God brought his only son into the world to bring about an even greater rescue story. You know, the Easter story tells us, doesn't it, of God's begotten son coming into the world to die, be crucified, to be buried, but then to rise again, to rise again. You know, the resurrection is the new pinnacle of God's might and power. Let me just read a bit for you in the New Testament. So this is uh, Philippians 3 verse 10. Paul says he wants to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. In Ephesians, uh, sorry, Romans 1, Jesus Christ our Lord is declared to be the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. In Ephesians 1, Paul prays that they would know the immeasurable immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the ones to come you know nothing is more glorious or powerful than the resurrection of Jesus Christ he rises again, conquering sin and death, so that he can rescue his people. And that's worth passing on, isn't it? And just quickly, children, it's good to see some of you here tonight. YPs, it's good to see you here tonight as well. You know, this is why we pass it on. If you weren't listening, it's the resurrection of God I'm talking about, of Jesus. This is why people in this church give up their Fridays, uh, their Saturday mornings, their, their weekday evenings to prepare to teach you. This is why they give up things for you. Because they want you to know the power and the glory of who God is. Because God is wonderful and we think he's worth passing it on. Well, what else are we to pass on? We're to pass on the word of God. Verse 5. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. Now, God teaches us his laws and his commands, and then he tells us to pass those on. And we need that, don't we? 
in a world that's increasingly confused about some of the very foundational ideas that God has given us, God's creation, some of the real building blocks of life. We need God's revealed word to guide us, to teach us what's right and what's wrong and what's good for us. We need God's word to lead us. And one of the things I love about this is it talks about the fact that he established it. He established his testimony. You know, God didn't write down his word on a bit of papyrus. Sort of say, you know, there you go. Look after it. Don't get it wet. Don't lose it. Be careful with it. He established his testimony and his law. He made sure that we knew his law and his commands, how we were to live for him in his goodness. You know, we now have, don't we? We now have the full word of God, including the whole New Testament, the full revelation of God and all that he is. And God has established his word amongst us so that we can teach others. And it's still the best-selling book. We've got Bibles at the back. Many of you have got Bibles in your homes. You've got Bibles on your phones. You've got Bibles everywhere. You know, God has established his testimony and his law amongst us so that we know who he is, so that we know what he's done for us, and so that we know how we are to live in the light of that. And this is what we need to immerse ourselves in. We need to immerse ourselves in this. Because this is what we need to pass on. We need to pass on the word of God and everything that it teaches us. But then comes the next question. Why should we pass it on? Why should we pass it on? Well, here we come to the great aim of teaching the next generation. Do we teach them so that they can show off their knowledge in Bible school and get those extra Sunday school, so and get those extra brownie points? No. We do it so they would put their trust in God. Put their trust in God. Versus set their hope in God. Asaph wants them to put all their hope in God. In other words, to completely trust everything to God. Asaph wants this knowledge in their heads to go down into a deep trust in their hearts. In verse 22 of this psalm, we see a time when the Israelites did not trust God. They said, yeah, sure, God can split a rock and provide water in the wilderness. But can he spread a table in the wilderness? Can he provide meat or food for his table? Verse 22 says, they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. They didn't trust God. Despite everything he had done for them, they didn't trust. But Asaph here teaches us the works of God so that we learn that whatever situation we are in, we can trust God. We can put our hope in God. We can trust God to provide for us. We can trust God to satisfy us. We can trust God to save us. We can trust our whole lives to God. And this is what we should long to teach others or why we should long to teach others, so that they too would put their trust in God. You know, it's an exciting thing when you learn that you can trust God, when you see these things, and also when you experience it in your life. When you go through times where you place your trust in God, and you get out the other side, and you look back and you say, wow, God kept his promises. God is good, I can trust him. But you know what's just as exciting, if not maybe even more exciting? is when you see those you are leading or those you are teaching in whatever context put their trust in God through whatever situations they're going through. It's an exciting thing. Why else? So they would not forget his works. So they would not forget his works. See, this is the problem that the Israelites had. They so quickly forgot what God had done for them. It's a recurring theme throughout the psalm, as Martin mentioned. But verses 41 to 42 demonstrates this for us. It says, They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. See, this is the root of all their problems. Is they keep forgetting what God has done for them. And so they spiral into sin. Because they forgot the things that God had done for them so quickly, they stray. 
Charles Spurgeon, we love a good Charles Spurgeon quote, don't we? He said, those who forget God's works are sure to fail in their own. Those who forget God's works are sure to fail in their own. You know, we need to see God's works again and again and again and again, because as someone said, we are all perpetual forgetters. We're all perpetual forgetters. We need to keep being told again and again what God has done for us. And we need to keep teaching others what God has done for them, because we so quickly forget and they so quickly forget. And when we forget what God has done for us, when we forget who God is, we so quickly stray from his ways. We so quickly go to disobedience. Do you remember what we sang earlier? Tell me the old, old story. Second verse. Tell me the story slowly, that I may take it in. That wonderful redemption, God's remedy for sin. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon, the early dew of morning has passed away at noon. You know, if we trust God, if we remember what he's done, then we will keep his commands. So why should we pass it on so that people keep his commands? You know, if we want our young people, if we want our children to obey, to keep God's commands, we need to keep teaching them of God's glorious deeds. You know, if you try to get young people or children to obey God's commands without telling them about his glorious deeds, then the best you'll get is some sort of religious duty type of thing in their lives that just leads to failure. It's the best you'll get. You know, losing trust in God leads to disobedience. But trusting God leads to obedience. It's a strong link in this psalm. Trusting God leads to obedience. So we pass it on so that they will keep his commands. Well, what else? Not be like their ancestors or their fathers. This is verse 8. It says, and they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. You know, we didn't read the whole psalm because, as I said, it's the second longest psalm. It would have taken a while. But if we did, we'd have seen in high definition that the Israelites were a stubborn and a rebellious people time and time again. And so next time you look at your children or your youth group or your class and you see how stubborn and rebellious they are, don't be too disheartened because that's what people have been like for a long, long time. What we need to do is we need to pass on the story of God. Because that's the only way to create a faithful heart to God. Passing on the stories of God and all that he's done is the only way to create hearts that are faithful to God. And then lastly in this question, why should we pass it on so that they can teach the next generation? Going back to verse 6 here, so that they can teach the next generation. We teach our children, so verse 6, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. So we've seen this already, that we're to pass it on to the next generation. But here it's as if we suddenly zoom out. We suddenly look at the bigger picture. We pass it on to the next generation... So they can pass it on to the next generation. So they can pass it on to the next generation. And I could keep going, but we'd better stop. Do you see how many generations there are in the psalm? You've got our ancestors that pass it on to us. So that we can pass it on to our children. So that they can pass it on to the children that aren't even born yet. So that they can pass it on to their children. And so on. One of the, uh, the most common opening lines of a testimony here is that I grew up in a, a Christian family. Some people have said to me, they've said, uh, I haven't written my testimony yet, but I know my opening line. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm super thankful, actually, there's a good number who have joined our church who have no Christian upbringing. People like, um, sorry, that's not John Cowley. Um, <laughs> wrong John. Um, but people like John Cowley, our pastor. 
it's wonderful when people grow up, and actually there's no Christian upbringing at all. It's a wonderful thing that God brings people into his family. But how do we feel when people say, I was brought up in a, a Christian home, and I, I'm giving my life to Christ. How do we feel? But praise God. Praise God, because the goodness of God, the mercy of God, has passed from one generation to the next generation like it was meant to, like God wants it to. This is this in action. Praise God for that. And God willing, they will be spared to pass it on to their children and those they interact with. And, you know, the beautiful thing about the gospel is not not limited to sort of going downwards, as it were. You know, we pass it on to the next generation, but also it can sort of bounce around in generations a little bit as well. And it multiplies. So on Friday night, we had the quiz. And uh, James... Uh, Russell shared his testimony of how God rescued him and had forgiven him from a life of violence, of alcohol and drugs. And his takeaway point, for anyone that wasn't there, his takeaway point was that if God can forgive me, he said, then God can forgive anyone. But where did it all start for him? What did he say? It started with his young daughter, Beth. Beth was hearing about Jesus in assemblies uh, and, and events here. It was so captured by what she was hearing, she was going home and telling her parents. Kept telling them. And what happened? Well, they decided to come along here as a family. And now we have the whole family here. And James and Vicky, we're wonderful members of our church, aren't they? It's lovely to have them. And praise God, on April the 16th, Beth is being baptised. So praise God. He's been working in the generations. The baton has been passed on. And you know, in the last couple of weeks, I know of at least two stories where exactly the same things happened. You might know of more. Praise God. I, I find it such an encouragement. I said it at a church meeting recently. It's one of the real uh, things that encourages me when I go in to do assemblies at school. You never know what these children are thinking and you never know who they're going to pass it on to. But praise God, he does work in people's lives. We are passing it on so that they can pass it on. Now I wonder, if I was to ask you especially those of you who are parents or maybe those of you in, uh, in, who are in some sort of youth group or um, teach. If I was to say, who are you passing it on to? Who would you say? Well, you might say, well, of course, there's, uh, there's Bert and there's Fred and there's Nora and there's Sally. And, you know, you might list the other names in your group. But Asaph gives us a much bigger picture You see, what Asaph teaches us is that we teach them so that they can teach others. Think of the number of children that you may impact because you've taught the children that you're teaching. Just imagine in a hundred years' time. Think how many people may have had the baton passed on to them, may have heard the gospel because you taught the children that you're responsible for. Maybe you taught your own children or you taught in that class. And isn't that such a boost? I think especially if, you're, if you've got a small group, if you've got a small class you're teaching and you're feeling a bit discouraged and you're thinking, it's just small. I, I spend hours preparing and it doesn't feel very encouraging. It's not many of them. It's hard work. Well, remember this. Remember the bigger picture. You don't know how it's going to affect the children that you teach. You don't know who they're going to pass it on to. You don't know who they're going to become. Remember the bigger picture. Remember that God is powerful. Remember what God is capable of as you pass it on to the next generation. Just think, Asaph told the people that he was teaching to pass it on, and it has safely made it 3,000 years later to us. Now it's our turn to pass it on. And then lastly, and very briefly, just as we finish this, be encouraged. Be encouraged. So we're going to jump right to the end of the psalm, uh, verses 70 to 72. Super quick point. But this psalm really ends on a high. There's lots I could say about it. I'm just going to particularly pick out this. So verses 70 to 72. Asaph has sort of got up to date in his historical account. And it says, he chose David, his servant. And took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing sheep, he brought him to shepherd his people, Israel, his inheritance. 
With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with skillful hand. As Asaph reflects on all that God has done in the past, he has a confidence as he faces the future because God has given them David. And and David is going to be like a shepherd to the people. He's going to care for them. He's going to look out for them. We don't have David, do we? we? As we face our future, we don't have a David. But we have someone better, don't we? The good shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, the one who will lead with a perfectly upright heart, far better than David's, the one who will lead with skillful hands, far more skillful than David's, the good shepherd who lays down his life so that we and all those we teach can have life and life to the full. Praise God that the good shepherd cares for you as you serve him. So as you serve him, praise God that the good shepherd cares for you. But also praise God that you can entrust the lives of those children and youth that you're involved with or that you're teaching into the hands of the good shepherd. You know, this psalm is, um, is filled with Israel's disobedience. But the thing that wins as you read the whole psalm is God's mercy and goodness. That's what triumphs. And you really get that sense. So be encouraged as we've looked at this Psalm 78. I hope it's been helpful and I hope it's been a blessing to you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we have the historical account of all that you've done over thousands of years. And Lord, we see the glorious works that you've done. Lord, I pray that we would praise you for them, for the wonders that you've done. Lord, I pray that we'd remember them, that we'd keep coming back to them, that we'd pass it on to others, so that we may be obedient, faithful, loving towards you. Lord, forgive us for the times when we so quickly forget, when we so quickly stray because we're not thinking of you. Lord, we put ourselves as first and foremost in our lives. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, we thank you that in that psalm, the goodness and mercy of God triumphs. And Lord, we have this wonderful story to pass on. Lord, I pray that, firstly, that we would know it ourselves. Lord, that we would be blown away by the goodness and mercy of God and all that he's done for us, the wonder of his works. Lord, may may we receive this message well. And Lord, help us to pass it on to others well so that they can pass it on to their children, and they can pass it on to their children, and so on. So Lord, we pray this all, Lord, for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song now uh, that reflects some of those things that we've been thinking about. Lord, speak to me, that I may speak.
pray to close. Lord God, I pray that you'd be with us, keep us safe as we go from this place. Thank you for today. And Lord, above all, Lord, I pray that we would remember your deeds, that our hearts would be faithful to you, and that we would keep your commands for your honour and your glory. Amen.